Lord praise in this house. Come on, give it up. Let heaven hear you today. Come on, give him praise. Father, we give you glory. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I always find it difficult when people, they begin to introduce you and they say so many nice things. I, I start looking around. Who are they talking about? <laughs> Let me introduce myself. My name is uh, Brian Adams, not to be confused with the singer from Canada. Okay, cuts like a knife, summer 69. But uh, I am married with a beautiful wife named Karen. She has told you that uh, she has sent me word to tell you she loves you. She wished she could have been here, but she's ministering at our home church. We have four children and 13 grandchildren. Come on, give it up. I really, really, the greatest part of my life is being a grandparent because they're so young, and, and I teach my children as they're growing up, the grandchildren, to point to me and say, the man. That's some of the first words out of their mouth, the man. And Grandma goes, who is that? And they go, the man. I said, honey, you need to learn from that. Come on. <laughs> but I'm a very happy man because I'm celebrating 38 years drug and alcohol free by the power of the Spirit of God. I'm going to, uh, I notice a young lady there had some material there, quick, quick. We're going to do a commercial real quick, okay? Amen. Thank you. That was so awesome of you. After an extended, very long fast, no food, water only, like it says in the Bible, Jesus was hungry. I was really hungry. But God gave me a revelation on the power of forgiveness. The revelation started out as four CDs, which really blessed me and opened the door to be on said off the supernatural. It's called The Power of Forgiveness. Later, it became a book. There's four CDs preached off of three of the chapters in this book. There's eight chapters, so there's five more information here. This book is not just about you being forgiven. It's actually a manual on healing and deliverance because with this revelation, healing went from 30% to over 80% in our prayer lines. I always try to carry a couple of these books. One of my uh, old, older friends who's now passed away, T.L. Osborne, Dr. T.L. Osborne, he wrote the book to heal the sick. I think one of the best, easiest reading and understanding the word. This man had more experience probably than all of us put together. That's left ministry. I've also done a Greater Works School of Evangelism and Greater Works School of Healing, which comes with a notebook, each one. You can get a CD or DVD. And I want to inform you. Thank you, man. I want to inform you that 100% of the proceeds from my book table, which is sitting out there, 100% of the proceeds go toward feeding hungry women and children. Mine. Oh, I'm sorry. You thought it was, hey, four kids, 13 grandkids. I guess I'm hungry mouse, right? Now, it's not going overseas. It's first in Jerusalem. Come on. Then Judea. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. We ask you to assist me in the endeavor to bless and bring confirmation to your people. I want to talk to you today about witnessing because as an evangelist, that's very important to me. And in doing so, I'm going to tell you my story from drug dealer to cop to preacher. That's my testimony. Now, it wasn't all at the same time. I wasn't a drug dealing cop that preached. <laughs> there was some time in between there. But if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I am about as full gospel. I'm so full that I'm fluffy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm about as full gospel as you can get. I'm, I'm a tongue-talking, uh, devil-casting-out, pew-jumping. I get excited. I was trying to not get too excited in worship because I got a suit on and I knew I would sweat too bad. But uh, I'm really excited, but I, I, I have a goal, and that's to teach people that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power not to pray in tongues, not to do all the gifts. Those are signs that follow, and yes, the Holy Spirit does use gifts through us. But I think we forgot something, because praying in tongues between you and God is a private closet experience, except for the gift of tongues interpretation, which is for the corporate. But you receive power to become a witness, and we've got to quit being quiet. We've got to quit being intimidated. Today, I want to encourage you to cancel the cancel culture. Come on, somebody. And don't worry about them because uh, we need to speak. So today I'm talking about having the power to become a witness. Shyness, some people use as an excuse. Shyness is actually a form of pride. So we need to repent of that and get rid of it. It's been a a thing that God showed me. And uh, my wife used to say, well, I'm not like you. I'm like, I'm glad you're not like me because I wouldn't marry me. Amen. (laughs) And uh, so once I explained to her that her being shy was not sufficient she began to share her testimony because see you don't have to have been a drug dealer or drug addict like me whatever your story is somebody needs to hear it you might have been a person that was set on a lace pillow never sinned and the only sin you were guilty of was the original sin of adam you just said you was nice and everything but you still needed to be born again and somebody else that is as nice as you were maybe nicer they need to hear that you needed to get saved Go to, the, if you're in Acts, turn right to chapter 2, verse, if I can read my handwriting, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord at one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look at all these who speak. Are they Galileans? And how is it that we hear them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining uh, uh, Serenity, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When you tell your testimony, there's going to be somebody that hears you speaking in their language. Their language might be, I'm addicted to drugs. I was an alcoholic. So as you speak your testimony, it may not be in a foreign language, but it's going to be in a language that they understand. When I go to the streets, I'll get my Harley out and I'll go riding and I'll park it somewhere. Very nice bike. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, as I park it somewhere purposely to use it for bait, people begin to come 
and look at my bike and begin to ask me questions. Well, the last thing I want to do is speak Christianese to people on the street. So I don't go and say, anointeth and howeth doeth theeth, beeth thoueth, and get old King Jimmy with them, okay? God has never spoken, now this is King James, so don't get excited with me, my Bible there, but God's never spoke King James to me. God speaks redneck to me, okay? Because I'm a righteous redneck. Come on, somebody. And I got a feeling there's some more of you in here. Come on. (laughs) And so God found you weird, and he didn't want you to change from being weird. He just wanted to sanctify your weirdness and then anoint you and empower you to go out and talk to other weird people. Now, that's not, that's not an insult. That's a compliment. Being weird means you're, you're specifically different and you're okay. So when I go out to people, I set them up when I witness and I'll say, man, looks like that hurts. People love to talk about their pain. And so I listen and really care. And as they're telling me about the pain, I'll say, you know what? I knew somebody that had something similar to that. And when I prayed for them, my God healed them. Then I don't say no more. And they'll look at me. Now they ask me a question. What do you mean by that? You need to learn to witness to set up people to come to you and ask questions so that way they don't feel like you're pushing the gospel down their throat. Because they've asked, they've inquired. They are for giving you permission to tell your story. Man, I tell my story everywhere I go because every time you tell your testimony of what Jesus did in your encounter, I believe you re-release the same anointing that was released the day you got born again. So as I tell my story today, the same anointing that was placed inside me to set me free is going to be released here. And when you come down to get your breakthrough, God's going to mess you up. How many people would like to get messed up today? Come on. I, the first hands went up were the old partiers. They're like, messed up? Yeah, that sounds cool to me. 38 years free clean, no cravings, no desire. It's a gift. I'm excited about it. I'm not going to hell. I was in a motel doing a conference one time, and I got in the elevator, and a guy came running up, and he he was so angry. He said, I've watched you for three days. You're so daggone happy. Why? (laughs) I looked at him. I said, well, thank you for asking. (laughs) And I said, because I'm not going to hell. Come on. Have you forgotten that you had a destiny because of the original sin, the high treason of Adam and Eve, and that God chose you, you didn't chose him? Jesus said, no one can go to the Father unless they go to the Son. And then he said, no one can even come to the Son unless the Father points me out. Mm, praise God. My, I had a goal as an audibly discharged Marine when I got out to travel the world and, and to be a drug dealer and to be a womanizer. Man, I was just going to party. That was my, my goal in life. But I had a problem. Such a conspiracy was against me. I had a praying mother. Come on, mamas. Come on, daddies. Don't quit. You got some hookup. You women, you bonded. You, you carried them in, inside. Man, praise God for those internal hot tubs. Come on, somebody. I was born at a very early age. I'm just seeing if anybody's paying attention. But I had a birth defect. I don't know how the devil seems to know. I don't know if there's a marking in the spirit or what it might be. 
But somehow I think the enemy knew that I was going to be a called one. And I had a, a hole here and all my organs were outside my body in a sack. And they had to massage everything back in. This had only happened at this time, they say, three times. And the man that was the doctor that had perfected the surgery just happened to be three stores up in the hospital. Come on, somebody. Just happened to be. Oh, that's my Jesus. So he came downstairs and he massaged everything in, pushed it back in, pulled the skin together. I got a man-made belly button. And no, I'm not going to show you. But for three payments of $39.95, give me your email address. Come on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So it was the beginning of the enemy trying to take my life out. Now, as a child growing up, my biological father was paranoid schizophrenic. He burnt me with cigarettes, would drop me on the floor and kick me. As soon as my mother found out, he tried to kill her. She got us kids. She got us out of there. Never met him. My sister, who's 14 months older than me, she was abused, and uh, she hurt people, hurt people, abused people, abused people. Don't get depressed on me now, because healed people heal people. Come on, somebody. But she wasn't healed yet, so as I was growing up, she would always tell me, you're nothing, you're nobody, you'll never be loved, you'll never be married. This was repetition. Repetition is the mother of breakthrough, or it's the mother of destruction and captivity. She would speak us because hurt people cannot relieve their pain unless they hurt someone else and make you less than them. So she, I was being trained for failure, not for success. You shouldn't go to school, do this. I quit school in the second grade. But as a child, I was sexually abused. I was verbally abused. And when my mom remarried, I had a stepfather that would beat me with two by fours from the small of my back to, to my ankles. And he didn't beat my mother, but he beat me. So you heard that, sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused. But guess what? That's not my identity. Come on, somebody. Mm. Everything of past is dead and gone. If you want to find that stuff, you got to go back to the watery grave. Because uh, when I went down, I died with Christ. And when I came up, I was risen with Christ. And that stuff's floating in the watery grave. And if you go to my watery grave, there's a sign that says, no fishing. So stay out of there. Come on. Don't be trying to bring this stuff back. Now, there's a certain story in the Bible found in the book of Mark chapter 5. I'm just going to tell it to you because I've already read you two scriptures out of the Bible. So you can't say, well, he didn't even read out of the Bible. So I think I'm safe with two scriptures. And so there was a guy, he got across the, the water. He was demon possessed. Uh, he came running at Jesus. Jesus said, come out of him. The, the demons came out, went into the, the pigs. You know the story. The people from town came out, they saw him dressing in his right mind, and they were afraid of him. See, they were okay with him being crazy and being a lunatic. You know, in the Bible, you see a man right there. He had thousands of demons, but he knew who Christ was. There were Pharisees that had thousands of scriptures in them, and they didn't know who he was. Be careful of being religious, okay? So anyway, the people came out and said, hey, too much God in this church meeting. We need you to leave, Jesus. And uh, so they requested Jesus to leave. Now here's this guy, full of devils, now free, one set of clothes, no Bible, no Bible school. He says, hey, Jesus, I want to go with you. Let me join your discipleship. Let me be in your Bible school. Couldn't you think his Bible school was the best? Whoo, you know, it was a good one. Oh, my goodness. And Jesus said, no. I want you to listen to me, those of you that have canceled you out as being able to witness you don't have no training. One set of clothes probably. 
no Bible because they weren't printed back then. He definitely wasn't carrying scrolls. He had no education. And he had been a lunatic full of demons. And Jesus said, just go tell them what I've done for you. And when you do that, they'll hear the great things of God in their language. <laughs> See, when I tell my story about being a drug addict and being messed up, uh, drug addicts, former drug addicts will be like, whoo, that's my brother right there. But there'll be grandmas, there'll be moms, they got a son or they got a husband that's alcoholic. And it gives them hope and gives them faith because faith comes by hearing. I'm here today to tell you he's not the great I was, he's the great I am. I said he's the great, I can't hear you. He's the great I am. You must allow him to become bigger than your marriage problems, your financial problems. You must allow him to become bigger than any problem. He's bigger than COVID, bigger than cancer. He's bigger than your finances. If you just begin to praise. Oh, I'm sorry. I just had a praise fit. It happens sometimes. Sometimes in the grocery store. That's fun. I love just getting all Holy Ghost in the tomato section because I love tomatoes. <laughs> One time I was in the grocery store, this little old lady, she's been over, she's messed up, and she couldn't reach, and I went over, I said, can I help you get something? And she, I said, what are you getting? She said, I'm, I'm trying to get the pork chops, and I said, what's the matter with you? She said, oh, I got arthritis real bad. I said, well, ma'am, arthritis is just a little devil. I'm a believer. I was only like maybe a year saved. I said, let me cast those arthritis out of you, and it'll be okay. She goes, well, if you can make the pain leave, go. So I grabbed her hands and arms, said, in the name of Jesus, go. I said, the devil just left. She goes, oh, yeah, the pain's gone. I reached for the pork chops and handed to her. She looked at him, looked at me. She goes, where, where, where did that devil go? <laughs> she was worried about him going in the pork chops. Come on. The story of the pigs. you got to pay attention. Come on. I saw people's hair wave, and I went right over. But she got set free. <laughs> Are you free? In the hills of Galilee, Jesus met his disciples after his resurrection. This is post-resurrection. They met him and said they worshipped him, but some doubted. They'd seen him raise the dead, walk on water, calm storms. They, storms. They'd seen him do such miraculous stuff, but they worshipped him and some doubted. We just had awesome worship. Man, I give it up for the praise team. Come on. That was tight. That was unity. No competition. Really enjoyed that. But some of you are worshiping today and you're just like, well, I heard the guy maybe does healing and stuff, but God probably don't want to heal me. You worship, but you're doubting. Maybe he'll help sister so-and-so, but he won't help me. I'm here today to tell you he's not a respecter of people. There is no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. Whew, that's the only reason I was able to have a chance. So my sister kept verbally abusing me and the devil would use her. Because see, don't expect somebody from China to call you and cuss you out and be used by the devil because you're like, crazy, Chinese, tell them Margaret to come on. Or African, whoever. He's going to use somebody close to you. It won't hurt unless it's somebody close to you. Somebody you respect, somebody you love, your husband, your wife, one of your kids or somebody. He'll use that. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spirits of wickedness and heavenly high places. But against uh, the devils, they're the puppeteer and the people, the humans, only become puppets. Forgive the people. Pray for them to be set free from those demons that are using them. When I drove up here today, I said, somewhere, somehow, someone's going to try to offend me. I was telling the pastor's wife, I'm not allowed to get bitter. I'm not allowed to have unforgiveness. I wrote a book. 
on the power of forgiveness. My grandkids even, my grandson said the other day, I got aggravated because he spilled something. He said, hey, remember, you wrote the book. I'm like, yeah, I did, yeah, I did. I forgive you, buddy. But you still got to clean it up. I told you I love this grandparent thing. As I travel all over the world, praise God for FaceTime, for pictures, for video. So I tell my youngest daughter, because my youngest granddaughter is getting ready to turn three in August. My oldest one's 22, a school teacher now with valedictorian, uh, just did phenomenal, was uh, one of the highest in her college class. She's married, I'm so proud of her. But now I gotta, I gotta get a hold of this three-year-old, right? So my daughter sent me a picture and it looked like she was going deer hunting or something, like had war paint on her or camouflage. And on the bottom said, I was doing laundry, she snuck in and got the Oreo cookies. And so she had chocolate all over. It said it was on the couch, the bed, the dog, everybody. And in the caption it says, I told her I have to forgive her because your papa wrote the book. It's just like a joke in our family. And I'm looking at this picture of my beautiful little granddaughter. And I said, I know my daughter is a good mother and she's forgiven her. And as I looked at that picture, a thought came to me. I said, but she still needs cleansed even though she's been forgiven. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Part B of the scripture, a lot of us don't listen to, and cleanse us from unrighteousness. We might be forgiven, but some of us need to be cleansed because if you're not cleansed, you might have come in here today with, I smell those Oreos. <laughs> or the memory of the smell. Once you're forgiven, just don't run away. Stay in his presence and worship him. Apply the blood, the washing of the water of the word, and get it on you and get cleansed. Because if not, the echo of that sin will mock you, condemn you. And the scripture says, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. But if there's a mocking uh, attitude, the remembering of the sin, if you've not been cleansed from it, even though you've been forgiven from it, it'll keep you back in the shadows, maybe even the cave like Elijah. And the Spirit of God said, let me give it to you in the Brian Ams translation. The Spirit of God came outside the cave, Elijah's inside, and the Spirit of God said, yo, yo, homie, what are you doing in there? That was for the young people. The old people say, what did he say? To the stargazers, God spoke to them in the stars. David sat around the campfire. We talked about a psalmist gift. And he would sit around, he would sing around the campfires. So to the shepherds who were out there by night singing and picking and grinning, so to speak, the angels came and they opened up and they sang, peace on earth. He sang to the singers, stars to the stargazers. Isn't it crazy? We must learn to speak the language of the people that we're witnessing to. It's so powerful. Because the minute you show love, perfect love casts out fear. The minute you know that God wants your family saved more than you want them saved, he wants you healed more than you want you healed, and we pray like we're trying to talk him into something that we came up with. Oh God, healing would be a great and wonderful thing. If you could just do this. What does Jeremiah say? Save me and I'll be saved. Heal me and I'll be healed. I thank you, Father. The Lord told me plainly one day, he said, son, don't uh, pray and ask me to heal people. He said, I released it through the beating of my son over 2,000 years ago. Take what has been released, just like salvation, and take it and apply it to their bodies. It's available. It's available to you. 
You don't have to make an appointment. Today, after the altar call, when we set up and go to pray for people, there'll be two prayer lines. One will be for people with pain. The second will be for people that are a pain. Oh, wait a minute. Did I say that? All the wives are elbowing their husbands right now. Come on. You might feel, you might end up in both those lines. I don't know. But we've got to believe that the word is not a fairy tale. We've got to believe this is real. The enemy wanted to take me out because he hates God's kid. He can't whip God, so he's going to try to whip you. So I'd been sexually abused, verbally abused. I'd been uh, uh, physically abused. And I didn't have a drug problem. I had a reality problem. So I used drugs as a vehicle to escape reality. And I started out just a social because I heard guys in the alley at school laughing. I got closer. Why are they laughing? What's that smell? Of course, that was marijuana. So I started smoking marijuana. Then I started lacing it with crystal meth and PCP. And, and next thing you know, heroin and, and uh, speed and amphetamines. I like stuff. Fast. Next thing you know, what started as just a social I want to laugh became an addiction. And when I come down, reality was still there waiting on me. So I kept going. Now I'm a full-fledged drug addict. And I don't want to, I had a really Christian, good Christian mom. I didn't want to rob people and break into houses. So I thought, if I deal drugs, I can pay for my drugs. So I was trying to be a, a nice sinner. Were you a nice sinner or a bad sinner? I was trying to be a nice sinner. And every time I did the drugs, every time I had sexual sin involved, every time the demons would come inside me, and I became a walking temple of the devil. And it was no longer about love, what my mother taught me. It was no longer about being kind. It was about just surviving. I came to a place one night. I left the bar. I came to my, uh, my, I lived in Columbus, Ohio. I had a little apartment on the short north side. And I had no air conditioning, uh, just a cheap little apartment. And I went there and it was uh, very hot. It was summer. And I, and I was on acid. I was on chemicals. I was so high and drunk. I laid down on the bed on the, on the actually it was a couch there. I laid on the couch and and uh, I just uh, had a camouflage blanket there from my Marine Corps days that I always like to sleep with. And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, the lights are out. All of a sudden, in this steaming heat sweating, the room became so cold that I could, whew, I could blow my breath. And it became from hot to cold. And all of a sudden, there was a demon there. Now, I didn't know much about demons or angels, but all of a sudden, I knew there was a demon there, and he'd come there to kill me and take my soul to hell. Now, I'm a former Marine. I'm a redneck, okay? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'm bad. You don't want to mess with me. So being the former Marine and the man I was, I grabbed that blanket and I pulled it over my head. Because all I can think is if you swing or punch at a demon, your hands will go through it. I didn't know. So, so all of a sudden, the blanket started pulling off me. I don't know why the demon did that. He could have reached through there. But it started pulling off me. And all of a sudden, I screamed, Jesus! And the temperature went back to normal. The presence of evil was going. Because see, you ever get some around something demonic and the hair on the back of your head stands up? This was so strong that my armpit hair was, and my arms were like this. Like, dude, it was terrible. I mean, there was no doubt there was a demon in that room. But when the demon left when I screamed Jesus, I didn't know that not being born again, I had no authority, did not have the right to use the name of Jesus. Years later, I found out the Holy Ghost had woke up my mother over 100 miles away, and she stood up and said, get away from my boy now. Praise God for praying, mamas. Woo, yes. 
But I was like, wow, this Jesus name is pretty cool. And I became infatuated. I wasn't born again, but I thought, it's pretty cool. So I got an old Bible that my grandpa had left me, and, and I started reading through it. And next thing you know, I'd get my guitar out, and I'd snort my cocaine. And I'm like, Jesus is just all right with me, singing the Doobie Brothers song. And, and I would pray, go, Lord, really convict you, Lord. Convict my drug dealer to give me better prices. Come on, Jesus. And, and I'd heard about prayer cloth stuff, so I was praying over my little packets of cocaine and bags of marijuana so that they might know Jesus too. <laughs> My brother had had a similar experience. He had a long beard and long hair. He, he looked like Moses, and, and he, was, he loved amphetamines too. So he called me up one night, and he goes, he said, dude, bring your stash and come to the house. I wasn't asleep. He wouldn't say, so I went over there, and I took my stash, and we're sitting there smoking some joints loads, loaded with uh, cocaine, and he's got this pickle jar sitting there. I said, why, why is this clean pickle jar? What are you doing? He said, dude, I was watching Copeland and Jesse Duplantis, and they were talking about, if you, if you tithe on your business, dude, God will bless you. I didn't know what bless meant, but it sounded like okay. So my brother and I became the first tithing drug dealers that I know. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm being serious. Why are you laughing? God had to catch me stoned to get in my wallet. What's he got to do to get in yours? <laughs> set this money aside and we would help people in the neighborhood the school come up the neighbor's kid didn't have a coat i felt like robin hood man we were helping people we would get together my brother was so much more talented on the guitar than i was and he could just write songs he had a whole book of them before he died and like one night i was like lord you give my brother do you love him more than me and all of a sudden words started coming and god gave me an evangelistic song i didn't know it was then of course, I'm not yet saved. And it was like, Jesus comes to rob, uh, Satan comes to rob, steal, and kill. Jesus comes to heal and forgive. Don't you think it's time to decide which of the two will guide your life? I, I didn't even know it. God was speaking to me through song. <sighs> Meanwhile, my other two sisters got saved. And my mother and sister on Tuesdays, they decided to fast for baby brother on the baby of the family. And while I was at work, they would drive to Columbus, break into my apartment. My mother would lay in my bed and pray in tongues for an hour to try to make my bed a giant prayer cloth. They would sew prayer cloths in my jeans and, and they, even in my underwear. I couldn't figure out why they were so uncomfortable, you know. <laughs> there would be oil dripping from the doorways. I'd call the landlord. He goes, dude, I went in the attic. I don't know where this oil's coming from. I'm like, me neither. I told my friend at work, I said, somebody's breaking into my house. He said, you better call the cops. I said, no, dude, I got drugs stashed there. I said, besides that, whoever's breaking into my house, they're cleaning up the house and they're leaving groceries. <laughs> they would get giant squirt guns, fill them with cooking oil, and drive by my house and do drive-by shootings on my house. They wanted baby brothers saved. Yes, I do come from a weird family, I know. But praise God for their persistence. <laughs> and I'd get my guitar out and I'd try to write songs to the Lord. I'd be higher and anything. I'd thank him for the good deals I thought he was giving me. It's a very thankful heart. <laughs> I know the angels as a sign, you must be like, this dude is tripping. He's pretty cool. <laughs> 
They, they have to have a good sense of humor. But somebody left a tract in my bathroom, and I'm sitting in the bathroom, nothing to read. They didn't have cell phones back then. So I picked up this tract and read it. It was in a different translation, but it says, anybody that escapes reality through drugs, sex, alcohol, or by any means but by the Spirit of God, they cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That jumped off that page into my unsaved soul. And all of a sudden, I knew Jesus wasn't my King and Lord, but drugs was my God. And I tore it up and got mad. I threw my Bible away. No more going to try to go to Bible studies and no more tithing, no, no more nothing. And, and I, I, wouldn't, I said, I don't want to talk to my brother because he was still to a, a Jesus freak that wasn't saved, just infatuated. And, and I began to, all of a sudden, the demons started coming and I could grab people twice my size and throw them at, at work. And, and my boss was like, take vacation, do anything. No one wants you around here. You're, you're going crazy. You're going insane. And, and so I took about $30,000 worth of drugs and ate them trying to kill myself because the insanity was back and all the voices, you're no good, nobody loves you. You, 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 you know, you, you have no purpose. And they just wouldn't shut up. It was insanity. That paranoid schizophrenic from my biological father, I didn't know he had died, but his demons had come to me now and they had a plot to kill me. And after a couple of weeks of not sleeping, I had long hair. I'd puked on myself, not changed clothes. And I couldn't die. For some reason, some force would not let me die. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, P.S. <laughs> so I went down to Jackson, Ohio, and I had a Monte Carlo, and I picked out a tree, and I practiced running down the road two or three times. So where do I have to start to be at 100 miles an hour to crash into that tree. The insanity had to stop. Why as a child did I know so much about sex? And I was just a child. Why did that stepdad beat me? Was I that bad a person? So I was revving it up. This was the time we were going to do it. And a stupid thought, praise God for stupid thoughts. A stupid thought came to my mind. And you know what the thought was? Wow, I've never killed myself before. I wonder if I need to make reservations. And all of a sudden, I just envisioned. Now, I'm, I'm just totally high and tripping, heroin, acid, everything. And all I, I can imagine getting there. Peter saying, dude, I, like, did you make reservations? Your name's not in there. I'm like, I didn't know I had to. <laughs> then I would be some spirit knocking over stuff in your house for the rest of my life. Come on. This seemed not good, so I drove. I thought, yeah, i got to go on a hill to talk to God, don't you? And so I drove my Monte Carlo through a barbed wire fence. The posts are banging on my car. I get to the top. I get my guitar out that's in the back, just in case you have to sing to God or something. It was more like a crutch. And, and I stood there, I thought, all I could hear is, you're nothing, you're nobody. Nobody loves you. And I thought, my God, there's millions of people on this planet. He's not going to know me. I'll probably get a recording. Please press one if you're suicidal. Press two if you need groceries. Or some angel's going to show up and he's going to say, dude, look at you. Your breast stinks. You haven't showered. You got puke on you. Go back and get, get, make an appointment. Because he's not going to know who I am. Because remember, I'm nobody. And all of a sudden, a little video like played in my head. It's a baby bouncing on my mother's leg. And she says, son, if you ever get in a situation you can't handle, call on the name of Jesus. I took one step back and, Jesus! The shiver went through my body and there was no recording, there was no angel, but there he was. And he said, Brian, dude, you know my name? 
and all the lies that I wasn't anybody, that I was nothing. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he said, Brian, I love you. The power of love brings deliverance because all those other voices shut up. All those other voices stopped. He said, I love you. You never have to get high again. Oh, by the way, did I mention this summer, 38 years, drug and alcohol free? Come on, give him praise. Ah. I always cry when I tell my story, but it's okay. It's my story. (laughs) Because by telling it constantly, I never forget whose and what I was and what he's done for me. So I don't get complacent. I never stop. It feels so good to be forgiven. I must travel the world to tell people. I have a mandate, the message of the power of forgiveness, and that the power of the first century church is still available today. He's not the great I was. He's the great I am. All those voices. I was telling the pastor and his wife in their office, I said, you know, I had all the multiple voices. I mean, I literally, I'm not disrespecting anybody that's been labeled bipolar. They didn't have that in my day. If they had, they probably would have called me octopolar because there was about eight voices in there. And, and, uh, but the voices have stopped. Now I only have two voices, the Holy Spirit's and my wife's. That's it. <laughs> Take out the trash, cut the grass, give me some money. <laughs> Those are good voices, aren't they? It reminds me of my purpose. <laughs> to go into all the world and to tell people, God's not mad. Why do you keep performing to get his acceptance? Like that old song, just come as you are. He's not mad at you. He's not a lightning bolt God that's going to kill you and mess you up. And he truly, truly loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his son. I looked at the word gave, and that word means to smite with your hand. I'm like, what? God so loved the world that he hit him with his hand. He allowed him to be beat at the whipping post, allowed him to be crucified because somebody had to pay the price and the penalty, but no one had clean blood. Our blood was defiled by the sin of the original sin of Adam and Eve. So the first Adam could not handle the take back. He had to send another Adam, Jesus Christ, to do what I call the take back. Come on, somebody. And man, after he'd done his work and he was nailed to that cross for you and me and he was hanging there, I like what he said. But I want to remind you something. I know you already know. This will just be confirmation that after he resurrected, he hung out with his disciples, or I call them his posse. He hung out with his posse for a little bit. And then he, he started levitating. He looked down and said, I'll be back. <laughs> and when he spoke those words, listen to me, because this is important. When he said, I'll be back, his words were so powerful that he left a comeback anointing. If you feel you've fallen, you feel like you're messed up, you feel like you ain't good enough, all you got to do is confess up. And he'll clean you up. He'll not only forgive you, but he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll take your unworthiness and give you his worthiness. He'll take your filthy righteousness and exchange it for his righteousness. Bob Barker's got nothing on Jesus. Let's make a deal. Come on. Jesus will hook you up. It's the best deal ever. Confess and admit that you're wrong. You need a Savior. You can't do it by yourself. Take his free gift that he took your place. 
Now, when I do an altar call, of course, as evangelist, I want first-time salvations. But the Lord started rebuking me and said, Son, you know I got people sitting in the pews and the chairs that's been in church for 30 years, and they still got some dirtiness. Uh, uh, they're cussing their wife, kicking their dog, and they're looking at stuff on the Internet they shouldn't. He said, they need to confess up. Now, I'm not going to give you the mic and watch your stories. I don't want to hear that. But I'm talking about some of us that's been doing the work of church. I'm grieved right now because children are growing up in church, but they're not growing up in Christ. And when they get 18, then they leave. Because when they were three, we said, oh, they prayed the sinner's prayer. We never deal with them again because we think they're okay. Come on, somebody. If God did not reveal his son, you praying a prayer with anybody don't work. He has to be revealed because he's invisible. And Christ came to be the visible image of the invisible God and now he wants you to transform by the washing of the water and the word, become born again, a new creation, something that never existed before. And he wants you to become now the visible image of a disciple so that the people that can't see, can see Christ in you. So the greatest prayer that I can pray with you is not raising the dead. I've seen the dead raised three times. And didn't see it coming, didn't know what's happened. They opened their eyes and I almost died. <laughs> it startled me. One was a baby I just got to meet a few years ago. He's eight years old now. He's been dead two weeks in the mother's womb in South Africa in a Congolese church. And, and uh, she refused to, to let the doctors cause, the, you know, to, to induce labor. And she begged God, there's a meeting coming. She didn't know me and I didn't know her. And she came up and I put my hand on her belly. I said, oh, I'm a papal, right? So I said, oh, she wants me to bless her, her baby. And the preacher said, well, it's a little bit different. I said, what? He goes, well, the baby's not alive. I'm like, what the hell did I do? First person in the prayer line. I'm like, Jesus, couldn't we start it with a headache or a bad elbow? But a baby that I haven't moved in two weeks, what's going on here? So I put my hand on the belly. And when my fingers touched the belly, I said, Jesus, when the last S was pronounced, I still didn't know how to pray. The baby kicked my hand off of the belly and used a star shirt because she was about seven months and started going crazy. I said, I think it's time to do an altar call. <laughs> and it packed out. To God always be the glory. So when, when you get healed today, don't blame me, it's not my fault. And for you not to get healed is not to my failure. For you to get healed is not to my success. I am not the healer. I'm only the donkey that he rides in on. <laughs> That's right. Don't hate me because I'm gorgeous, okay? You're getting too serious on me there. But being raised from the dead is not the greatest miracle because you can be raised from the dead, not be born again, die again, and go to hell. You can have your body healed and not be born again and die and you go to hell healed. So the greatest miracle is to become born again. So ladies and gentlemen, please listen. If you are born again in here, you've received that measure of faith which was sufficient for the greatest miracle. Most people, if you had a ladder, they would say, oh, salvation is the bottom rung. Money, healings, is up the rung. Actually, salvation is the top of the rung and everything else is included. So you have faith for whatever you need already today. Just don't doubt yourself and don't doubt him. He gives you sufficient for the situation that you're in. 
So I'm going to pray the greatest prayer that can ever be prayed. It'll take away from you every wrong thing you've ever done. If you're not born again, you must be born again. You don't want to wait, don't later. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Salvation includes forgiveness of sins and healing of body. Now, quit putting it off. Quit, you, you don't, you're not promised tomorrow. God forbid that you'd get in a wreck when you leave here today. Now is the time of salvation. So I'm sending a message, throwing a net to all those that are not born again. Or if you say, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, then you're not. Because his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are born again. But if you've been in the house and you're coming just out of performance, you clock in. God just doesn't want weekend visitation with full custody. And a part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. If you know you're looking at stuff on the internet, if you're cussing your wife, you're kicking your dog. You are born again. If you die, you'd go. But you've got some problems. You've got to think, maybe it's a day to renew your vows. Jesus, I want to renew my walk with you. So I'm, I'm sending an invitation to all the heathens going to hell. <laughs> I smell sin in this place, and evangelists can do that. <laughs> but I'm also giving the invitation. Can I have a keyboard player or a guitar player? I don't, I don't need vocals, just some music, please. I'm going to give that invitation to have every wrong thing, pay attention to me, every wrong thing you've ever done taken from you. He'll separate your sins as far as from you as east as from west. Just like my little granddaughter, she was forgiven, but she still needed cleansed. That's a reality picture I think that you could understand with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If nobody has told you today, you are awesome. Bless you. You know, as I walked away from you, ma'am, I don't know your name, but uh, I saw a bunch of bees like flying around your head and stuff. And I, I just believe I heard God say, you're, you're wanting to make a decision, trying to do stuff. And the enemy was trying to distract you. God's reading from his throne, he's blowing. And all those bees, all that distraction, all that stuff's going away. You're going to have the clearest mindset to hear to make some decisions. You judge that as a word from God? Yep. You all right with that, Pastor? Thank you. See, every word must be judged, I believe. People say, are you prophetic? Well, sometimes I'm prophetic, sometimes I'm pathetic. My prophetic accuracy is 50%, and I think everybody is. I'm either right or I'm wrong. Come on, that's 50%. And it needs to be judged. But I'm throwing the net now. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. If you... Say, Brian, I want to participate in this most supernatural prayer that can be prayed to have every wrong thing taken from me, whether I'm being born again or whether I'm just renewing my vows. I really need to hook up with Jesus. Raise your hand right now all over the congregation. Raise your hand if you're saying, Brian, I want to be part of that prayer. Come on, raise your hand high. There's no perfection in you. I'll guarantee you that right now. Come on, there should be more hands going up. Keep your hand up and raise it up. If your hand is up, let your body follow your hand and stand up. Stand up right now. Come on. If you raise your hand, come on. There should be more people. I got a fish finder. Electronic supernatural. Now if you're standing up, look, everybody's righteous on this side. Not one hand. My, my, my. <laughs> Not doubting. 
If you're standing up, come down here to the front. I want to pray with you. Come. He walked that Via Dolorosa for you. Come on down. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about what someone will say. This could be the beginning of a new start for you. Come on. Give, a, give God a big God bless. Come on right down. Put your toes right against there. Come a little closer. Don't get upset if I spit on you. I just make my own holy water. What's up? How you doing? You doing good? Dude, you got an awesome grin. <laughs> Jesus is about to hook you up. How you doing, man? Come on. There's still people coming. What's that old song? There's still room at the altar. Come on. You're worried about people knowing about you've been doing something wrong. They already know it. They're talking about it on Facebook. Come on. <laughs> okay, as you're standing here, put your hands up. Surrender, not to me, but to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of God. Every hand up. You're now under arrest. To the Spirit of God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if you're seated in your seat and you know you should have been up here, it's okay. God's grace reaches that far. And you can pray this prayer with two. Pray this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I make a conscious decision to forgive every person who's ever hurt me, who's ever done me wrong. I even forgive myself I let all the past go. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe He died for my sins. And I believe in three days He was raised from the dead. I believe Jesus is Lord. Be my Savior. Be my healer. I make that fresh commitment to you today. In the name of Jesus. Okay, now I want you to pray this really, really strong religious prayer. Are you ready? Say, Jesus, hook me up. <laughs> just begin to just be in his presence. Keep the music up just a little bit. Come on. Take it louder. Give me a little bass. Just begin doing a slow wave offering. Just begin to bathe in his presence. Lord, I break every curse, every spell, every incantation of witchcraft ever sent against these people. I break every generational curse to the third and fourth generation on the maternal and the paternal side in the name of Jesus Christ. Every assignment that hinders them, let it be broken right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every long-term COVID effect, I break its power in the name of Jesus Christ breathing problems, vision problems, I break the assignment of these right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, like you did in Luke 24, 45, open their understanding to understand your scriptures. In Jesus' name. And everybody that's standing right now, just make this symbolic prophetic gesture. Just take a slow, deep breath in. Just let it go. To me, that's just like in with the good, out with the bad. Do it one more time. And just let it go. Say, Jesus, cleanse me. Let him cleanse you. Holy Spirit, I ask you 
to impart and to refill people that's been filled. Come again, Holy Spirit, and touch them. Let them never be the same. Let this encounter at the altar. They drew nigh to you. I pray you draw nigh to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, right now. Amen and amen. Do we have a rag man or rag lady? A towel, I'm sweating. <laughs> I don't mind sweating for Jesus, but it's getting in my eyes. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, you standing at the altar, if you believe God heard that prayer, do you believe that? Do you believe you've just been cleansed? Put your hands together and begin to give him praise right now. Come on, give him praise. Let hell hear you. Let heaven hear you. Thank you, sir, very much. Woo. Now, here's your assignment, okay? If it's the first time and you become born again, you need to get with leaders in this house. The Bible says if you believe and or baptize, they shall be saved. So you need to get contacted with leaders so that they can begin a disciple process, get you baptized, and welcome you into the body of Christ. If you're, say, I've been saved, but i just been hanging out, really not doing it right. I got two words for you. Stop it. <laughs> That's what the word repent means. <laughs> Why did I look at you? Why are you looking so guilty? <laughs> I'm teasing, brother. I'm teasing. I could tell that I could mess with you. You got a good personality. I can tell all of you do. Give yourself a big God bless. But as you go back to your seat, shake four or five people's hands and look them in the eye and say, I've been forgiven. Come on, give it up one more time for the Lord. We're going to transition into service right now. We are not done. I'm going to turn the service over for a moment to uh, the pastor for some administration part. And then we're going to pray for the sick. And when we pray for the sick, if there's a lot of people that need prayer, we're going to dismiss people. You can, we won't get mad at you for leaving if you don't get mad at us for staying. And I'll stay and pray for every person. We're going to set two chairs down here so you don't have to worry about the evangelist pushing you down, okay? And I'll pray for you one at a time. Let's give the pastor a big God bless right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get an honor, honorarium ready for uh, Brian. And that helps him go all around the world. I know he's going to be with me in uh, uh, Africa again in Ivory Coast. And uh, he travels, man, demony. Uh, last time I was with him, he said, I'm going over here for two months. I said, you're going home? He said, no, it's cheaper to stay. So, and, uh, but let's get a offering ready. Make your checks payable to Only Believe Ministries. And we will make sure that Brian gets every penny that comes in. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we sow this seed, into Brian Adams' life. We thank you, God, for what you've done in his life, but we also thank you for what you've done in our life, in our church, and God, what you're about to do in the bodies of the saints today. Now, God, we thank you for it. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. And stand your feet and bring your offering unto the Lord. Tonight, Brian's going to be with us at 6.30. So please join us there. And uh, then they're going to get ready. 
And if you do not need prayer, you are dismissed. But if you need prayer, 